0: Well, this is our last week on the identity series. And if you will, go ahead and show me the slide. And we are going to be talking about this one particular word that we'll get to in a second. And it's called an ambassador. We are an ambassador for God. He looks at us, He calls us this ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5 14 to 21 says this. If you will, stand up as we read it. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything from, God, everything's from God, is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed this message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are, here it is, ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for calling us out to be your ambassador to this world. So in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I want to apologize right now. I don't normally wear my shirt untucked. And I got a couple shirts last week. My wife said, you're your apparel needs updating (laughs) i said okay that's fine i can go out and have a couple new shirts but and when i went and got these shirts you know she was helping me pick them out we didn't look to thoroughly over all these things and and apparently it didn't have it on the tag but these are like slim fitting shirts (laughs) and only certain body types actually fit in those (laughs) and i do not have one of those body types And so rather than my stomach untucking the shirt throughout the service, I just untucked it for you guys, if that's okay, (laughs) Because that would be embarrassing. Untucking my own shirt, there we go. All right, so when we think about an ambassador, what do you think of? Who is an ambassador? If the United States sends out an ambassador to another country, they're sending out a diplomat, the highest ranking diplomat, to a foreign country. To represent that country, to represent that country's interests in that other country. That's what an ambassador is, and that's what God is calling us to do. He has called us out to be an ambassador for Him in our society, and in our age, and in our generation, in our area of interests, in area of living. <clears throat> And so we need to understand that that is part of the identity God has called us to. And as being an ambassador, that means we share our faith. We share what we believe about Jesus Christ. I'm going to go through a couple things that I believe are not necessarily the wrong way, but can be the wrong way to share Christ. And I have a little video that I want you guys to see real quick that gives us an example. (laughs) <laughs> I, I find that very, video very amusing because there might be some people like that. Um, I, show, I wanted that video to show you just how sometimes it can come across, just sharing our faith and, and being God's ambassador, and sometimes it just doesn't come across in the right picture. And there's three pictures that I want to give us this morning, three-word pictures that I'm going to talk about. And then I want to talk about being that ambassador God has called us to. And I'll have another short video for you afterwards. But the first one is what I call the Jesus salesman. The Jesus salesman. They have been converted. They have received Christ. And they look at it as their mission to share the gospel message, which is great. And I love their passion about it. But to them, whenever they go out and they share the gospel, it is about a sales routine. It is about how can I convince someone that Jesus Christ is real and that they need him. And they place all the emphasis on them. If somebody didn't come to know Christ, it is my fault because I just didn't do a good enough job selling him. They're motivated by that sales pitch. And they're motivated to sell Jesus. Now, I love their motivation for 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 Jesus, their excitement, but the motivation is wrong. And then when they do win people to Jesus Christ and tell them and people pray and receive them, there's usually little follow-up. And I have friends like this. I appreciate their zeal, their wanting to share Christ. But there's a danger and issue that the Jesus salesman has to face. There's another one and I have been part of this before. Uh, heathen hunting God warrior. <laughs> heathen hunting God warrior. Now, let me explain this person to you. They are out for the big kill. They want the biggest, baddest sinner to go and share Christ with that person so that they can say, man, I led that person to Christ. They're, they're very, um, not rebellious, but very bold in what they believe to the point that they consider it an honor and a badge of courage to be ridiculed or made fun of because, after all, we're doing our job for God. We need it. And two, their motivation can be wrong because they don't look at people as people. They look at them as conquests. The heathen hunting god warrior. The third one... Some of us identify with this, and I've identified with many of these over my life, the expert spiritualist on faith. And let me describe this person for you. They have no need to go out and share their faith because they'll just come to them. They have no need to go out and share the gospel message with anyone because in their mind, if God wants them to share it with somebody, well, they'll just, God will just bring them along. You know, it's God's sovereignty. I have no need to go out and do anything. God will just bring them to me. While I appreciate their faith, what happens is they actually forget their responsibility. Because God God actually does say to go. To go out into all the world. Now you rely on God to bring you to different people but these people aren't going. And they use the excuse well God is sovereign. He must not want to use me. And what can happen is that they get disappointed that nobody ever shows up. Nobody comes knocking on their door. Nobody's coming looking. It's because they're not doing what God called them to do. They're not praying, God, who should I go talk to today? They're praying, God, send me someone. And God's sitting there saying, go. So those are three people that I think you know, we get a mindset of or can become. But what I want to talk about is the ambassador, how God sees us. God sees us as this ambassador, this representative for him. In John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the father has sent me, I also send you. You see, God is saying, I'm sending you out. I'm going to send you out to a world. I'm going to send you out to a place that you're going to live in. And while you live there, I expect you to to do like my son Jesus Christ, to go out and be a part of that community and to share the hope that lives within you. Now, we all want excitement. How many of you guys watched 24? Who who was here a big 24 fan? Jim, I could picture you, Tony, 24. 24 was a, a... Very great idea for a TV show. It was thrilling. It was uh, everything you could want. It was 24 episodes, give or take, one hour of the day in the life of this man. And you look at it and it's like, how can one man have so much excitement in his life in just one day? I mean, if we were to take a video camera and follow our lives around for 24 hours, I mean, it would be boring. You would see us driving the car, waiting in line at grocery stores, getting to bed, yelling at the kids, changing diapers. I mean, it would not make for an exciting TV show at all. It would be very boring. It would be like, just yeah, it would get the worst ratings ever because there's no excitement in it. We need to see each day that our life is a mission. It is a mission for Jesus Christ. That brings excitement. That brings excitement to our lives, knowing that God has prepared me for my mission today, my mission to share his message with somebody else that I'm going to come in contact with, somebody that I'm going to meet that needs his love that needs his message. Now, we're not going out and throwing a sales pitch. We're not going to go out heathen, honey. But we're going to live our life the way Jesus Christ expects us to live it. Having faith that the people we come in contact with, somebody needs to hear that message. And when we come across that person, not being ashamed to tell them there's a better way to life. And that is through Jesus Christ. That's the ambassador way. Our assignment, Acts 1, 6 to 8, says this. So when, we, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you, underline this if you have your Bibles, will be my witnesses. That's every single one of us. And he says where? Jerusalem. That's your little town, your little community. That's your little neighborhood. Judea? Well, that's, you know, all the community that you're in. Samaria? Well, that's the county and the region. And then the ends of the earth, that's mission work foreign missions local missions giving it all the point is this you will be my witnesses throughout all the earth how's your mission going how's that mission going for any of you how's it going knowing that our assignment is to be his witnesses and it's in the power of the holy spirit don't get me wrong It is in the power of the Holy Spirit because the power of the Holy Spirit is what converts the soul. It's not mere you, it's not anything we say, it is the very Word of God. It is our life living out what Jesus Christ lived out. And it is the movement of the Holy Spirit working in somebody's heart. That's how people are saved. There's no sales lines, there's no sales pitches. There's nothing you can do that's going to make somebody come to know Jesus Christ. It is God and them. Them responding to God, God working in their heart. That's why there's no pressure on you. There is absolutely no pressure on you to try to do something. Try to win someone. There's no pressure. It is simply saying, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he died for you and for your sins, and there is a better way of living And I can show you that. That's all there is to it. All there is to it. And you leave the results with God. So that's our assignment. And we're the light and corrupt world. Philippians 2, 14 to 15 says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless and crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like the stars. How are you guys doing in that? You see a bunch of blackness, especially in this generation that we look at. You see a lot of darkness. But he points to us and says, among you will shine like the stars. How's that shining going? Do you stand out from the person beside you that's not a believer? Do you stand out? I think of... Jesus Christ, when he calls Matthew, Matthew 9, uh, he calls Matthew out. And it says this in 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. And while he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? Now, when you heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go learn what this means, and I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus Christ thought it enough to go with Matthew, this tax collector, and I'm going to explain these guys in a second, to go where he lived. To sit with him and all his other, sc- other scoundrels and to be with them to share his message of hope. To be that light in that shining, uh, that shining light in that dark world. Now, when you think of tax collectors, we, we talk about tax collectors. Nobody likes the IRS. You know, if you're like me, you're still waiting on some money to come back from the IRS. The state of Michigan owes me money. Uh, The federal government owes me some money still. People, you know, it's it's good that the government owes me money. I'm I'm thankful for that. At some point, I'll get it. But these tax collectors, tax collectors in the Bible, whenever you saw them, they were hated people. And there's three types of tax collectors. There are what they call the Gabbi. These are like the general tax collectors, they tax things like the land and property. You know, everybody's going to pay land and property taxes, it's just the way of life. So these guys weren't hated as much. And then you had what they call the great Mokis. These guys were like the -the behind-the-scenes masterminds. Behind-the-scenes masterminds. They were the ones that that, uh, taxed everything from the cattle, fish, children. I mean, your children are getting taxed. You're paying taxes on your children. And then they had what they call the small Mokis. These were the hated ones because the great Mokis hired the small Mokis to do their job. And they're the contractors, and that's what Matthew was. So he was hated because he's taxing people's children. He's going over to Peter. How many fish do you catch? All right, we've got to tax you on every single fish. Everything you did in life, oh, there's a tax for that. And so he was hated, he was despised. And yet Jesus Christ knew all this stuff about these tax collectors. He went to them and he said, Matthew, there's a better way. What you're doing is corrupt. What you're doing is wrong. And there's a better way. And it's me. And it's Jesus Christ. You know, I believe every single one of us has a Matthew in our life. I believe every single one of us knows a Matthew that needs a better way. That needs something different in their life, but they don't know it, or they don't know who it is, and you are right there, waiting, to be that person. You know, we have some people in our church that 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 share the message of Jesus Christ with their friends. I think of of Neil. I, Neil, Neil. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was able to just hang out with Neil and went to his friend's house, uh, Stephen's house. Um, and his friend is is dying, and he is very concerned. He's been praying. He's been sharing the gospel message with this guy for a long time, and, and so much that it pains Neil because he wants to see this man come to know the same Savior as him. And he's been praying for him. And I just said, "Hey, I'll come with you, Neil." And so we went over to his house, and I took Cody along, and. Just had a good time talking with him and spending time with him. And, and you know, the, those conversations started pointing to Jesus Christ. And, you know, it just got to the point where I said, you know, what's going to happen in your life? I said, you're going to die at some point, a lot sooner than me, more than likely. You, you, you know, you're dying of cancer. Unless I get out here on the road and get in a wreck, you're going to be up there before I am. What's going to happen? And he really didn't have an answer. And so I walked through with him what Jesus Christ did for him. And told him, all you got to do is believe and repent. And I said, you have a guaranteed spot in heaven if you do that. And so we prayed for him. And whether he accepted Christ fully, I don't know. But I know the message was taken to him. You see, you cannot make anyone turn. You can only give them the hope, and it's up for them to respond. We have a couple guys working on our concrete. I I want you guys to go look at the hard work that they've been doing. They're out there working hard. I've been out there a couple of times watching them as they pour this concrete, digging these holes, thinking, better you than me. No, I'm just playing. And, And so I went out um, this past weekend watching them redo the work that they've already done because they didn't dig it deep enough and just talking with them. Found out that, you know, one of them used to come here. And so I invited him to come back. Just had a baby. Hey, we got a place we can put your baby to. They'll be safe. Why don't you come visit us? There's two other guys there that, you know, I have no idea whether they know the gospel. One of them, he's lived or he knows some people back from where I live. And so I'm making connections with these people and hopefully sometime this week I'm going to actually share with them who Jesus Christ is. There's no magic formula to it. It is about doing what Jesus called you to do. And he's called all of us to go. He's told all of us to go. He's told us all to simply share and give a hope for the reason that is within you. And I want to close it with this video. Because I think this video speaks louder than anything I could say. And I'm going to come back up after it's done. In your bulletins and handouts, I, um, I had something placed in there for you guys. It's a script and a sticker. You can take that sticker. You can put it on your phone. It can remind you of the three circles. very simple way to use it as a conversation piece about who Jesus Christ is where their life currently is at. God's perfect design and the only way to get there. It's not that hard. And you have the tools. You know, I, I tell you all these things and I want you to do these things because there's a reason. The Bible tells us that um, when we live for Him, when we do His will in Second Corinthians fourteen sixteen to sixteen it tells us in, in part of that it says for to God we are the fragrances of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some the aroma to death leading to death, but to others an aroma to life leading to life. I showed that verse for you. You know, as I stand up here, I am getting ready to go eat because There's a sweet aroma up here. I don't know if you can smell it. I think some of you can. There's some bread cooking up here. It is a very sweet aroma. The sweetest aroma there is is the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And he is the bread for those in brokenness. Take that message today. Take that hope today to someone you know that is broken and trapped in this world that can't get out of it on their own. And share with him using the three circles or any other method you know about the message of Jesus Christ to get them out of that state, because he is the only hope. And when you've done that, you've done your job. You've done your mission. You leave the results with God. You let God be God and do what he needs to do in their life you, you're the sweet aroma to God because you fulfilled and did what he called you to do. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your son Jesus Christ. Thank you Father for saving me so that I could be a sweet aroma to you. So that I could be an aroma for some that brings them to life and makes that sweet aroma to them. And for others, they know they're dying, and they're not going to to have eternal life. But I'm still that aroma to them that realizes that. Help us all to do that in our lives, Father. On a daily basis, fulfilling the mission that you want us to do. Because we are your ambassadors. Your representatives to this world. Let us be those representatives.